Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Y'all doing all right today? Uh, So good to see all of you here. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to share a few thoughts with you out of Luke chapter 11. I know this is not a new scripture to anybody, but there's a few things that I want to highlight out of it because uh, I truly believe that God wants to speak some things to some people. And so uh, today is going to kind of go, we're going to talk about Luke 11, and then we're going to really hit the blinker. We're going to turn directions, and we're going to land it on talking about valuing God's presence again. And so if you can, while in my mind it may look like this to you, it may look like this. I'm not quite sure, but I believe in these things God's going to talk to you. In fact, I believe He's going to speak prophetically to some of you if you were willing to open up your hearts and hear him. Amen? Amen. Can y'all be awake with me today? Amen. These front rows are pretty awesome, just so you know. We're not getting filmed, so I can just have fun today, right? So, um, yeah, let's rectify this next week. I'm not that scary. So... this, Yeah, it's like the church I got drugged to as a kid. We went... Back there, I see you, Jim. Back there is where we sat. All right, so, Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for your presence that's here. Father, I believe there's more available to us if we're willing to step in. And so, God, we just choose in this moment to step in, God, to where you're at. Father, we come hungry, we come expecting, we come to just wanting to hear your voice today. And so, Lord, thank you for doing only what you can do in our hearts. God, thank you for divine revelation. Thank you for divine encounters today. God, free us up, God, so we can serve you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's start by reading Luke chapter 11, starting verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place when he ceased or when he finished that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be or holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that. I know that you probably heard it a thousand times before, but... In my opinion, this model prayer that Jesus gave us as his disciples really hinges on two significant words. And if we miss these two words, we miss the whole point of the rest of the prayer. And those two words are this, our Father. Somebody say, our Father. So I want you to think about this for a moment. Out of all the names and all the titles that Jesus could have used to describe God to start this prayer, he chose our Father. Now, I find this interesting because he could have just as easily said, our Lord God Almighty, or our Most High God, or our Lord, our Master, right? Or the Lord, our righteousness, right? Jehovah Sikhanu. Gotta love it. That's how you say it. So, listen, after all, he could, if he decided to use any of those names, uh, who in this room could have argued with him if he decided to use one of those other ones? They're all correct, right? Right. Listen, we all know that uh, God is powerful. He is certainly holy. He is righteous. And without a doubt, he is our Lord and he is our master. But watch this. In comparison, those names and those titles don't quite, uh, quite capture the same meaning as our father. 
You see, our Father expresses God's relational heart, as well as His care, His compassion, His intimacy, and His unconditional love that can only be found, keyword, in sonship. You see, the revelation of God as our Father and the subsequent revelation of sonship sets the tone for the whole rest of the prayer. If you believe that, say, oh yeah. Listen, because throughout this prayer, not only do we see God's invitation to come have an intimate relationship with Him, but we also see God's willingness to provide for us as a Father, a willingness to uh, forgive us as a Father, a willingness to actually help us extend mercy and grace to others. We see a willingness to Him to, for Him to come and actually help guide us, and a willingness from Him to come and actually protect us from the schemes of the enemy. Anybody thankful for that? So not only is there, the, is there this tremendous amount of tenderness that's found in this portion of Scripture, this prayer, but I believe also when we begin to see that He is our Father, it will unlock every part of His nature that is anchored in His Father heart. You see, it's there what's anchored is what? Yes, it's His unlimited power, it's His righteousness, it's His holiness, and yes, it's even His Lordship. Amen? All right, so with that said, I told you I had a few thoughts for you. Here's the first thought that I think is significant. Man, please hear what I'm about to say. That I believe one of the things that Jesus was getting at when he said, Our Father, was this truth. Is that what we think about God is the single most important part of our spiritual journey. We'll say that part again and we'll read the rest. What we think about God is the single most important part of our spiritual journey because we are inevitably shaped emotionally and spiritually by the image of God we carry in our hearts and in our minds. Let me elaborate on that for a second. If we're here today and we are really confident that we know that God is a loving Father, man, how many of you guys know it's really easy to approach that? It's real easy to crawl up in Papa's lap. It's real easy to lay your head on his chest. It's real easy to want to hear his voice. It's really easy to come feeling secure and loved and accepted when you see him as a loving father. But for a lot of us, how we've seen Jesus for many years, and I lived like this for a long time, I viewed God as an angry God, right? That he was up in heaven and he was ticked off. Right, And so because that was my view of him, guess what? I had to check the boxes. I had to perform. I had to do all these things, jump through the hoops, dot the I's, right, cross the T's. If I could somehow, hopefully, at the end of the day, uh, please him enough that he would love me. Right? And then there's those that see the Father, right, or see God, I should say. They just see him as a distant God, right? I think Chris said the other day, like some inventor that twisted up over the world and just kind of released it and just let everything go. He said it much better. But, but the gist is this, is that, in other words, when we think God is distant, we just think it really doesn't matter. I'll do what I do, and whatever, one day it'll all work out, right? We've all met those people. So I just think this, that if we really stop for a minute and to go, you know what? Our, our relationship with God is currently, uh, it's just influenced by how we view Him, right? Like every part, like, like it's true that literally that, that how we view the image of God it undoubtedly is the driving force of every single area of our lives, right? It will determine every decision. It will determine how we approach Him. It will determine how we interact with others. It will determine how we view ourselves. And it will ultimately determine how we show up in the world. See, and here's, here's what I'm getting at. Here's one of the things where I know God's going to talk to somebody. Is Unfortunately, so many of us, I realize that we struggle in this area with our view of God. In other words, it's because we have a misguided view of who he is. 
Like I'm convinced. He and I were talking the other day. Like I'm convinced that if people really, really, really saw Jesus for who he is, they couldn't reject him. He's too good. Right? And so, and so we have not only the world having a misguided view, but man, we have people in the church with a misguided view. And so what happens is the reason that there's this misguided view in our lives is because somewhere along the way we were influenced intentionally or inintentionally by someone who misrepresented him. Right? For a lot of us, that person that's misrepresented him has been a mom or it's been a dad. Right? It's been another family member. Or maybe it's been some religious leader. But, but somewhere along the line, because of that misrepresentation, something has shifted in our hearts, has shifted in our minds, and we unknowingly have rejected some several uh, essential pieces of God's nature, of God's authority, and of God's influence in our lives. So I'm making sense. Wave your hand at me, please. See, when we experience a misrepresentation of who God is, it's easy to allow that distorted view to basically uh, bring us to a point where we are deceived into believing that our dysfunctional thinking and our dysfunctional way of life is normal. Right? So even this, that when we have a distorted view, it's easy to allow our pain and our soul wounds that came from the people who misrepresented him Right to get us perpetually stuck in this cycle of where we continue to place blame and point the finger at everybody else because of our issues. Now, now that's just the tip of the iceberg in that. I realize that. But, but if you're sitting here today and you're kind of unsure if, if those relate to you, I just simply ask you to ask yourself this question in a really honest, vulnerable way. Ask yourself, am I angry? Right? Like, am I jaded? In other words, do, do I have some hard pieces in my heart? If it's towards him or if it's towards people, am, am, am I kind of hard? And, and then lastly, ask, my, ask yourself this, is do I lack the peace that Jesus promised? Like, do I lack it? Do I find myself searching for that and I just can't get to it? And I just think if the answer is yes, I want to encourage you to remember something because there is good news in this, right? And it's simply this. In John 14, Jesus said these incredible words. He says, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, comforter. Who is that? The Holy Spirit. He said that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Man, we can't miss that. The Spirit of truth. For he, the Holy Spirit, dwells with you, and he will be in you. And then he ended with this incredible verse. He said this. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. That's good news, yeah? So listen, so in light of those words, I just believe that if we are willing, if we say, yeah, that's me, I get that's me if God's talking, if we say, I, I've been, he's been misrepresented, then what would happen if we actually allowed ourselves to get vulnerable for a moment and we actually began to cry out to God and ask the Holy Spirit to come and unravel and untangle the web of confusion and deception that we think is normal? Right, that I believe that the Holy Spirit, once again, who is the Spirit of Truth, I believe if you let Him do it, He'll gently take you by the hand. He'll begin to lead you down the pathway that leads to emotional and spiritual healing if you let Him. Right, and I just think this: that's understand that as the Spirit of Truth, it is part of His job to expose the lies of the enemy that have robbed you of your joy and peace. And it's also His job to guess what? To reveal the Father as well as God as the Father. And not only to reveal God as the Father, but also to reveal to us in revelation that we are sons and daughters of the living God. We are the beloved. Amen? Amen. So with all that said, I want to transition. That's just a, my first thought there. I want to transition with this in mind. That it's not only in that revelation that he's a perfect father and that we're his beloved kids, right? That unlocks the abundant life that Jesus promised to give us. But it's also in that same revelation, he's perfect, I'm his kid, that paves the way for the next thing Jesus told us to pray in Luke chapter 11. Please grab a hold of this. 
We're going to talk to some other kind of people right now. It says in verse 2, it says, So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Don't y'all love that? Don't y'all love that? Listen, it's important for us to understand that Jesus didn't, you know, say this because he had some pipe dream or because he had some churchy thought that thing, well, if I tell him this, it'll keep him busy. That's not what he had in mind. Listen, through this portion of this model prayer, he gave us his heartbeat and his desire for this world and our lives. Right? And so if I could take this a little deeper, hang with me for a moment. It's going to take me a second to set this up. But listen, some theologians consider this portion of the prayer to be apostolic in nature. I realize apostolic may be a new word to some of us, but, but it simply means this, that when Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, that those words contained a strategic, even a military-like assignment for us as believers. And here's what that looks like. When we begin to throw, say, it's apostle by, you know, apostolic by nature, the word apostle originated with the Romans, and it simply means this, sent one. So, listen, an apostle in the governmental structure of the Romans, it was a term that they used to describe the certain leader's role and assignments. So, in other words, here's how it looked, and I'll make this quick. Once the Roman military basically went into a town, they went into a city, they went to a nation, they went in, we know that they were a powerful empire, and once they conquered uh, basically a, a land, right, what would happen is, is the Roman government, they conquered them, then they would send a chosen leader or an apostle to go to that conquered place for the purpose of transforming the culture. Grab a hold of what he's wanting you to pray here. So why? To ensure that this transformation, to ensure this transformation took place, basically the apostle was given at his disposal an architect. That architect's job was to go into that city and it was to look around that building, let's tear it down. Let's build one here. That one, it can stay, but let's redesign it the way it looks. Let's not only work about the outside of it, but let's go on the inside and let's begin to redesign it too. Not only was he given an architect, but he was also given a language specialist who was tasked to go around and actually teach people the Latin language that the Romans spoke, once again, to who? To the conquered people. In other words, let's change their language, right? So on top of this, of these two people, the apostle was also given team people who were assigned the task of changing the roads, the business principles, the currency, the values, the way they imported goods, the way they exported goods. What I'm trying to get at, guys, and I hope you're grabbing this, is not one single piece of this, you know, uh, city's, uh, conquered city's culture was left untouched. Not a single one. So ultimately what was happening is this government official, once again known as apostle, he was given the authority and he was given the time to go work this process with his team to do what? That there was an assignment that he was, it was his job to completely resemble let me say this better. It was his job basically to go into the city and say, you know what? You're going to stay here until this place resembles and it functions like a Roman city. Am I making sense? So now this is extremely important. So it has been said that one of the main goals behind this cultural transformation, please don't miss this, that one of the main goals of an apostle was basically to go and, and bring cultural transformation to the city so that when the Roman emperor came to town, that he would feel right at home. Watch this. So I said all that simply to say this, is that when Jesus came and instructed disciples to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as a group of Jewish people, guys, they got it. 
They were born and they were raised in a conquered town that was ran by the Roman government, so they completely understood what he had in mind, which I believe was this. I'm going to bring it to our front door. So that our Father desires to do these things, to tear down the old patterns of thinking and behavior where? In us. Right? And he desires to construct new patterns of thinking and behavior in us, right? He wants to tear down our old identity issues, much which is, comes from that misrepresentation and that misguided view of God. And then he wants to come in. He wants to actually begin to redesign a new identity that's found in him, not in this world, right? Then he wants to change the way we speak about ourselves, about others, and even about our situations. That our Father desires to do what? He wants to change the roads we walk down. What do I mean by that? Our lifestyles, right? That he wants to come and he wants to change our view of the resources that he's entrusted us and that he's put in our hand. That he wants to come and he wants to change the values and the principles, the guiding principles that we choose to live by. Am I making sense to y'all today? So to put it plainly, he is saying that he wants his will to be done in us as it is in heaven. He's trying to release heaven in us. Right, That he wants to change the culture within us so that we, in a positive way, can change the culture around us. Listen, if I can stretch that a little further, watch this. I believe, if you can hear this, that he wants his kingdom to conquer every unhealthy and ungodly part of our being. And I wish we would get to the point where we'd quit acting like it's not there. We all got it. Right? So why? Why does he want to conquer it? It's so that we can be made whole. See, guys, holiness simply means whole, right? We're whole in him. So that's one of the reasons he does it. But the, also the other reason so that we can be effective in our assignments to the world that we have been sent to. After all, remember what Jesus said in John 20, 21. It says, then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. He actually said, with the same authority that the Father sent him, he's given to us to go do and be the sent ones who bring that kingdom here. Right? All right, let's pause for a moment because I want to try to bridge these two points together for a second because I want you to understand the magnitude of it and I want you to understand what hangs in the balance of what we're saying today. In other words, we've heard these things, but okay, 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 but let's, what's really on the line? Here's the first thing I want to tell you is that when we begin to look at that model prayer I believe it's easy to see that if we don't have the proper view of God as our Father, then it will be extremely difficult, if not impossible, for us to understand who He desires to be for us and who He desires for us to be in Him. Is that clear? Can we all agree on that? Yes. On the same note, I think if we don't have the proper view of who God is as our Father, it will be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to have a proper view of the kingdom culture that he wants to impart in us and through us. Can we all agree with that too? All right. So here's what I'm getting at. Watch this. Is that if you and I don't understand that who he is is our father, and if we don't understand his kingdom culture, then that simply means this. Please don't miss this. That means that you and I will fail in our God-given assignments. That it is impossible to bring that kingdom to this kingdom if we don't understand it and we don't live in it and we don't operate out of it. Am I making sense? We will fail in that. But here's the thing that's really hanging on the line here that you got to see. How many guys, let me maybe, Paul, let me ask it, set it up this way. How many of you guys say that you've had someone in your life misrepresent the kingdom to you? 
and misrepresenting God. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, let's be honest. Okay, all right. All right, some of y'all are lucky. All right, I'm like this. <laughs> Most exercise I've had in a week. All right, here we go. So I can't believe I just did that. That was so dorky. Okay. Um, <laughs> give me a J. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me. There's an inside joke of that. All right. <laughs> you had to be there. All right, here we go. That's great. All right, I love you, Jen. All right, here's the deal. Thank you, babe. All right, so listen. So not only when we fail, but watch this. If we don't understand who he is as our father, if we don't understand the assignment he's given us, then that means that we will inevitably repeat the same sad cycle of misrepresenting him. How many of you guys have got kids? Raise your hand like you're proud of that. Are you happy about it? <laughs> That's the number one person or people that you will misrepresent him to if you don't get these. So to understand that generations will be affected if we don't get this. But if we do get it, generations will be affected in a positive way. Because the reality is even this. Listen, every day... If you understand that he's your father and you understand how his kingdom functions, it affects your spouse if you like it or not. It affects your kids if you like it or not. It affects the rest of your family if you like it or not. It affects your coworkers, your friends. It affects the people you go to church with. It literally affects even the person that you bump into at Walmart. There's not a single person that comes into contact with you uh, that you have influence over or in their lives that isn't affected by these two revelations, if we realize it or not. Amen? All right, so let's flip this real quick. So I want to point out something, just kind of a side thought, is that I don't think that there's ever, at least in my knowledge, that there's never been a town, a city, or a region that has ever resembled and reflected his true kingdom values without having a strong and a healthy church or body believers being at the center of that community. Y'all get that? In other words, on a macro level, that you say, man, it's obvious that God's blessings on that region. If you, can't, if you can't trace that back to, wow, that's where it started in a local church. I don't think there's one. I may be wrong, but I don't think I am. Okay? And so I simply say that to say this, okay? So we're talking individual, now let's go corporate. I'm saying this, that you and I have an incredible opportunity in front of us. Because we can be that church if we set our heart to believe God and to be that church. But it starts with us as individuals, and then it becomes corporate. Amen? So you see, when we as a church family know his heart as our father, when we are secure in our identity as sons and daughters, when we know how his kingdom functions in us and through us, and when we are in unity as the body of Christ, then guess what? Then he, not an emperor, but he is the king of kings, guess what? He will feel right at home with us. That's the goal. That he, our Lord, our Father, our Master, our Savior, the righteous, whatever name you really want to give him, that he feels at home when he comes. That should be our goal. Amen? Now listen, I don't know about you, but I would love to see that happen. Yeah? So listen, I just think if we want to see this happen, then, then once again, we got to go back to that culture cultural statement that we've made, and it's this, is that we got to value his presence. 
Now, if I can be clear to you guys, especially you that come out of a uh, charismatic or a Pentecostal background, let, let, me, let me say something, because I want to be clear when I talk about his presence. So often, uh, when, when, we, when you get in those circles, they almost refer to the presence, the glory, like it's some it. Like, in fact, there's a song that I cannot stand. It's, it's, uh, it's an old song. It says, send it on down, send it on down. Lord, let the Holy Ghost come on down. I'm like, the Holy Spirit's not in it. He's a he. So that's what I'm trying to say. We're all talking about pursuing this like it's a thing. The, the presence of God and the glory of God is not a thing. It's he. It's who he is. It's his essence. It's his being. Amen? Amen. So listen, what I'm trying to say that when we value the presence of God, we're saying that we value him more than any blessing. We value him more than any anointing. We value him more than any healing or any spiritual gift or any provision or any ministry opportunity, any assignment, any job that we're just simply saying this before anything else. We choose to love and honor you, God. Why? Because first and foremost, like we said last week, you're worthy to receive it all. Amen. Amen. Yes. So listen, for clarity's sake, okay, and, I, and hopefully I'm not going too long here, okay? It, it, it's a new day. It's two services, not three, all right? I'm having too much fun, I think, today. Um, listen, I understand we talk about the presence of God. We go, well, we know God's omnipresent, right? Like we know he's everywhere all the time, and that's true. David said, where can I go, basically, and escape your presence? There's nowhere, right? He said in Psalm 139. So, so in essence, yes, God's everywhere, okay? And then we know that Jesus said in Matthew 18, uh, I think it's uh, 18, 18, 20, I may be wrong my address, that they simply said this, said, where, where two or three are gathered, I'm in the midst. So we get that. Thank God for that promise, right? But what I'm trying to get at, what I'm trying to, trying to just hope that we understand is simply this, is that, that we're talking about God's presence that's clearly manifest when we as his people, I'm bringing it back to the past couple of weeks, when we as his people praise and worship him, how? In unity in the way that he wants to be praised and he wants to be worshiped. In other words, what I'm trying to say, man, I hope in Jesus' name that that mindset that says, this is the way I praise, this is my way of worship, that it is uprooted from our lives, and we say, God, we love you, so how do you want to be loved? We know the Bible and respond to him out of that way, right? And when we respond to him out of that way, I'm telling you, our first service today was incredible. It was like the weight of God's presence said, boom, in the place. It was good, <laughs> really, really good. That's what we're talking about, where he shows up in an undeniable way, and we all go, he's here. Amen? All right. Y'all Okay. I want to get to my favorite part. <laughs> All right, so let's shift gears. I just think if we want to be the kind of church, let me even, let me even say it this way. Not only do we want God to feel at home in our church, but we say, God, I want you to feel at home in my life. I want you to feel at home in my house, right? I want you to feel at home wherever I go, right? So, so I think if we're going to do that, we need to take a page out of my man Moses' playbook. Let's read in Exodus 33. This is probably one of my favorite passages in the whole Old Testament. Y'all hang with me and we'll land this. Just afraid if we don't get this, then the other two really aren't going to connect. It says this. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, watch this. He said to Moses, Depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. In other words, the promised land. And then watch verse 2. God says, and I will send my angel, 
before you. And I will drive out the Canaanite and the Amorite and the Hittite. Yeah. Verse 3. Parasite. Hivite. Jebusite. All right, here we go. Thank you, Jesus. Times have changed. Verse 3. Watch this. It says, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. Watch these next words. For I will not go up in your midst. That's not fun to hear. Listen, in context, we know that God had been leading his people out of Egypt, right? Through Moses, right? They're on their way to the promised land. But because of the people's stubborn and rebellious hearts, they stalled out. They weren't moving. And so here they are. They're, they're literally at a dead standstill. And God spoke to Moses and told him, depart. Depart from where you're at and get moving forward, man. Watch this. But, but God then out of nowhere threw a small change in the original plan. Right? He had been with him all this time. And then he said, guess what, Moses? Uh, I'm fed up with all these people's shenanigans. I'm not going with you. I'm going to send an angel instead. Here's where things get interesting. Now, when we look at this scenario, and this is important, do we think that one of God's chosen angels has enough power and enough ability to go and to conquer all those ites in the land? Absolutely, a thousand percent, yes. But, but listen, rather than accepting this new plan, watch what Moses did. He, he didn't say, okay, everybody, God said depart. Everybody load up in the church van. Right? Loads of 15 passenger vans. Everybody get in. We're going to go to the promised land. Right? He didn't say that. Watch what happened. Watch what he did. Verse 7. It says, in response, Moses took his tent out and pitched it. The word pitch actually means to yield. I'm going to stop and I'm going to wait. Where did he do it? So he pitched it outside the camp and he called it the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. So let me put a little bit modern day terms on this. Most banks said, okay, God, I hear you, but I'm not budging until we talk about it first. So I'm going to sit right here in my tent until you come. And then it goes on in verse 9. It says, and it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tent. And the Lord talked with Moses. It's incredible, yeah? It says, all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshiped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And then Moses said to the Lord, watch this. See, you say to me, bring up these people. In other words, God, listen here. I, I was on the backside of the desert, minding my own business, taking care of those nasty sheep, I didn't send in no application to you. I didn't interview for this job. You started the bush. You spoke, and you told me to do this. In other words, God, this is your problem, and this is the difficult task that you've given me, right? It says, and he says this, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. I read, I'm like, hold up, Moses. God just told you a few verses back, man, that he's going to send an angel in his place. Did you miss that? Right, And I don't think he missed it. I think he's just simply saying this. God, I'm hearing your new plan, but I'm not hearing your new plan. Right? And then he said, hold up, God. Here's the thoughts I have about this. He says, yet you have said, I know you by name. God, you said you know me by name. And you have also found grace in my sight, or I found grace in your sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. Let me bring it up to speed. He's saying this. God, if I've done something wrong, I get it. 
God, if I have not kept up my end of the deal, I understand why you would leave me and send an angel instead. But Lord, I've kept my heart right. I've done it your way. Have you not found grace and favor in how I've lived my life? And then he throws in that little extra bonus. Oh, by the way, they're your people, not mine. <laughs> it's kind of like I hear him saying, these are your kids, right? <laughs> like, take them back, right? Anyways, and then it says this. It says that basically God responds and says, okay, Moses, you got a good point. I changed my mind. It says, and he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. That's incredible. What a relationship with God. Now, once, once then, here's what's so awesome. It's like Moses heard that, and then he doubled down for good measure, and he said something that I have prayed, man, only God knows how many times. It says, then Moses said to him, God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. I know I'm shifting greatly here in this message. But I think it's the end of the day, man. I cannot tell you how many times I said, Lord, if you want me to go speak there, Lord, if you want me to move to Maine, Lord, if you want me to go do a counseling session with them, Lord, if you want me to go to the hospital and pray, then, Lord, I'm not going unless you go with me. God, I refuse to go unless your presence and unless your anointing comes. God, don't stick me out there and you leave me hanging. These are your people. <laughs> right? So watch this. Let me, let me hit the pause button and show you how this applies, and we'll land this. Listen, like Moses, our father, right, knows us by name. Amen? He has saved us by grace. Thankfully, he's put his favor upon our lives. Listen, on top of that, he has given us assignment because we're his sent ones. I'm trying to tie this together. To bring what? His kingdom culture into this earth. So how many of you guys know, like Moses, that assignment that you and I have been given is not an easy one? Let me help y'all out, because some of y'all are unsure. I'm going to say a bold, salty statement to you, all right? It's like an old salty piece of bacon. Here it is. If you can do everything you're doing in your life without having to get on your knees and cry out to God for help, I promise you, you're not in the will of God. Promise you, okay? Because God never asks you to do anything that you can do in your own endeavor, in your own talents, in your own abilities, your own energy. He only asks us to do things that require his help. Amen. All right? So I just think this. Watch this. And because our assignment, just like Moses, let me say, let me just get away from that. Moses had a choice. God, will I be satisfied and content with an angel? Or will I say, you know what? I refuse that angel because I know that there's something better available to me. You see, and I think if we realize or not as a church, we are in that spot. We can do this. We can say, you know what? Uh, not that we're choosing between an angel and God, but we can go, you know what? Um, well, we can choose. We got talented musicians and talented singers. We got well thought out preaching. We got a good program for the kids. We got, uh, you know, a cute little prayer meeting on Wednesdays, and we do this little thing on, on Wednesday nights. You know, yeah, we got the youth group on, on Thursdays. Uh, we can do that. Like, are we content with those things, or we'd rather say, you know what? No, 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 God. <laughs> We understand that all that's there, but unless you go with us, man, we don't want to do any of that. Unless it's marked by your presence, unless you've stamped it with your presence, God, we don't want to even do any of this. Am I making sense? In other words, we can gather week after week after week. Plenty of churches do it. They gather around a church tradition and church formula, but the presence of God is nowhere to be found. 
And what I'm trying to tell you this, is, man, if we want to be a church that values God's presence, then we have to have the attitude that says, God, we're not going to go unless you come with us. I hope I'm making sense to y'all today. So it's simply this, that maybe that we realize that, yeah, all that's cute, but man, we realize that there's one better, right? That's available to us. Now watch this. Let me show you what's significant hangs in the balance here. It says in verse 16, and we're going to be done. It says, for, for how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? Then it says this, so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Let me tell you what he's saying. He's saying this. He's saying, God, there's plenty of people in this region that gather. They eat food. They talk. They have a band. They sing. Somebody talks. Loads of them do that. But the thing that sets us apart from all those other social gatherings is the presence of God. Right? And so, listen, if we don't have the presence of God, we might as well pack our bags up and go home or just slap a different sign and we'll become, I don't know, the Lions Club. I don't know anything about the Lions Club. It's just what came to my mind. All right, so in case I heard anybody's feelings there, it was unintentional, okay? If I misrepresented the Lions Club, all right. Yeah, all right. Can we stand to our feet? If you can, just close your eyes. I'm going to try to, I'm going to give you a few statements and we'll pray. So going all the way back up to the top, if we really believe that God desires for His will to be done on earth as in heaven, please all eyes closed, then I think we should remember that everything in heaven is connected to His presence. So as long as you and I keep our focus on Him rather than all the things He can do for us, the reality is, is I think heaven will come. And the great part is, is when we focus on Him, Guess what? Because he's a good father, all the things that concern us, he takes care of it. So if I could say it to you this way, and I'll just read my notes. That where people worship God according to his word, he will respond with a distinct working of his presence. And the rule of his glorious kingdom comes in all its liberating power. That is why wherever people honor the Word of God, exalt the Son of God, and give place to the Spirit of God, distinct and marvelous blessings pour forth. But the mistake that so many Christians are making today is that they want to create a culture where they honor people above God. They call this love and grace. They are open and affirming of people's decisions, choices, and lifestyles. But to be clear, we are open to anyone as a church we are open to anyone walking through these doors but we can never affirm what the bible clearly calls sin rather we choose to honor god's word so that his presence and his glory comes so that when people from all walks of life come through these doors they can have an encounter with the one who is the solution to all the world's problems in other words that the redeemer will come the healer will come the image or soul mender will come right the one who can save your soul will come and I just said this last thing, that if we honor people above God, we will never have His presence. We will become a social club rather than a spiritual hospital. Y'all hear me today? Can y'all believe God with me for a moment? Please. We got four minutes before 12 o'clock. Nobody's going to beat us to the buffet. Here we go. I don't even know if we got a buffet. Jesus. Yeah. Can y'all lift your hands up, please? 
first service, I asked a question, and I'm not going to ask a question because I already know the answer. Father, as our hands are lifted up today, Father, we are acknowledging that people have misrepresented you in our lives. God, we lift our hands up because we know somewhere in us there's a misguided view of who you are. Lord, if we won't admit it or not, that's the truth. Lord, there's been people who have done it intentionally and there's people who have done it unintentionally. But Father, we just simply cry out to you today and we ask that the Holy Spirit will come and begin to unravel and untangle that knot of confusion and deception within us. And God, we ask in Jesus' name, God, that freedom would come and healing would come into our lives. God, we ask today, God, that we would begin to have a clearer picture of who you are as our Papa, as our Daddy, as our Father God. And Lord, we ask today, God, in the name of Jesus, that we would begin to see ourselves as sons and daughters of the living God. And Father, I pray, Lord, I realize that we are at different levels of that revelation. But Lord, there's always room to increase and grow in that revelation. So Lord, thank you, God, that we're beginning to see your heart in a new way. That we're beginning to see who we are in your heart in a new way. And Father, I'm asking, God, as our hands are lifted up, God, as sons and daughters. God, we realize that good sons and good daughters, healthy sons, healthy daughters, make incredible soldiers in your army. And so, Lord, today we recognize that you've given us some assignments. And, God, those assignments are big and they're great. And, Father, I just pray, God, for those who don't necessarily know their assignment this moment, God, that they begin to seek your heart and that they would find it. And, Lord, I pray today, God, that you would equip us, that you would train us, that you would prepare us, God, to know, God, how uh, you desire to release your kingdom out of us, your kingdom culture. God, we pray, God, today that your kingdom culture would be rooted in our hearts. God, they'd be rooted in our families. God, they'd be rooted in this church in Jesus' name. Because, God, we desire to have lives and have a church, God, where you feel right at home. Lord, we want you to feel like you're comfortable around us. We don't want you to feel foreign around us. God, we want you to feel welcome. And, Lord, we recognize today, God, that almost every time heaven's mentioned, in the Bible, loads of times, God, worship is connected to it. And so, Lord, would you begin to teach us? Come on, y'all, hang with me. I know I'm praying through the message. It's all right. Lord, I pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would teach us how to worship and praise you in the way you desire for us to. God, we want to love you how you want to be loved. God, we want to love you how you want to be loved. So, Lord, would you teach us how to worship and to honor you with our lives? And so, Lord, lastly, we just pray, God, the very words of Moses. God, we say to you, God, in all these things, God, we don't want to go unless you go with us. God, we want our lives to be marked by your presence. God, we want this church to be marked by your presence. God, we don't want to be marked by anything else. Lord, we appreciate all the nice things and the blessings that you've given us. But God, if you don't come and you don't show up, then God, there's no reason to be here. Because you're the only one that can change lives. And so Lord, we ask by faith today, God, from this day forward, that people will walk in these doors. Lord, whatever the issue is, God, we say we'll love them. God, we won't, we won't compromise the truth, but we'll love them. God, and we believe, God, that your presence and your power will show up, God, and meet them exactly where they're at and change their lives. And so, Lord, if there's any person here today, God, that's at a distance from you, their heart's far from you, God, I pray for true repentance to come in their lives. And, Lord, I pray that they would simply say, Jesus, save me. I need to be saved. I need to be rescued. I need my heart to be yours. I need to love you, God, more than anything else. And, Father, I thank you, God, at the foot of the cross 
that there's grace and there's mercy and there's forgiveness. I thank you that the blood of Jesus still cleanses sins. I thank you that the blood of Jesus still brings deliverance and victory and wholeness in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray in, in now, in Jesus' name, that that power and that name will be released in our lives. Father, thank you for saving us. Thank you for setting us free. God, help us, God, to move forward in you. God, and be exactly where you want us to be. And so, Lord, once again, you're allowed, God, to break off anything you need to break off. And you're allowed to add anything to our life that needs to be added. We're yours. You bought us. We're yours. We're yours. We're yours. God, this is your church. Your church. Your church, God. We're your people, God. Please don't forsake us. Don't abandon us. God, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.